Good morning. My name is Isaac. Today's Bible passage is the parable of the lost son from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. For three years, not very long ago, and he ended about a year ago or so, we had a significant proportion of our possessions, our life, in some boxes. I'm guessing you've probably experienced life a little bit like that at some point. We were moving from what was actually quite a big house at Terry Hills, which we managed to fill, um, and we were moving into a small two-bedroom rental apartment, 
And so lots and lots of things ended up in boxes. And the boxes mostly went to a very safe box haven, somebody's garage that they lent us, which was kind. Then finally the day came when uh, we and all our boxes were reunited. What a day it was. Um, initially it was, we were still at a little bit of a distance. They were in the garage and we were moved in with my daughter and son-in-law in their house. We didn't have room for all our stuff there. But then we built the second story for us and our boxes were released to us. And there was a sense of joy for me at least. I'm not sure about Noreen. She might not have had quite as much joy, but there was a sense of joy in that so much that was lost was suddenly found. And uh, there was a, a certain joy in just delighting over things that have been part of our life and have appeared again. Isn't that good? You probably know what I mean, I hope so. Well, maybe I'm just a bit weird like that. Well, Luke 15 is all about lost and found. The chapter as a whole, we've read the end of it, but the whole chapter is about lost and found. But it's also about grumbling. The wrong kind of people were gathered round Jesus, you know, undesirable types, sinners, bagmen, prostitutes, crooks, tax collectors and sinners. They wanted to hear him. They were gathering around him. And the right kinds of people, the right kinds of people, were not happy at all about this. The seriously religious ones didn't like it. The legal interpreters of the code, the, the really serious Bible study people, the upstanding and decent people, the Pharisees and the, the teachers of the law didn't like it. They muttered. They grumbled. Jesus is too close to the wrong side of town, they said. He even welcomes these shady types of people, these, these, these sinners, and he enjoys meals with them. So let's look at verse 1 and 2 of Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were, in, were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so in response, Jesus tells three parables, that is three teaching stories to explain the joy of heaven when a sinner repents. But he also has a word about grumbling. The joy of the shepherd, remember the story of the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go off and find the one? That's, a, that's near the beginning of chapter 15. And then the joy of the widow who sweeps out her house to find her one lost coin. That's the next story in that chapter. And then the, the joy of the father who finds his lost son. That's the story we're looking at today from Luke 15. These are well-known stories. And what we usually call the prodigal son, the third story is where we're going to focus today. And as you'll see, it could also be called the, the parable of the, the older son. So I've got four headings, lost, 
found joy in grumbling. The story of a young man leaving home is not something that's new or strange to us. Happens quite a bit in one way or another in life. You might know a family where this kind of thing has happened, where one of the the kids decides they're going to head off. He demands this... uh, Uh, Sorry, what is different here is the violence of the leaving of this boy. He demands his father's estate be divided up for him now. No waiting till his dad dies. Don't do that. Or anything polite like that. Get Get your inheritance now. He wants the money. He wants a better life that depends on the money. The new life will be better, it'll be more exciting, be more interesting, away from the suffocating and boring confines of his father's farm. So why not treat his father as if he's dead? He's unlikely to see him again anyway. It'll be a better life, he won't need his dad. He wants out. He can find his own way from now on. His dad, patiently, but no doubt with tears in his eyes and many fears cooperates with his son. The boy gathers everything and sets out to enjoy the good life with all the foolishness of youth. So let's pick it up at verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Well, the good life turns out to be not so good. Firstly, the money runs out. He's been so focused on serving his pleasures, his own desires, that he hasn't kept an eye on the cash. But his resources are really limited, something he hadn't really properly thought through. A young man's mistake. Secondly, there's an unanticipated turn of events. For us, we've had turns of events recently, haven't we? We've had COVID, we've had droughts, we've had bushfires, constant driving rain. Life is full of turns of events. For this young man, it's a drought, it's a famine, and it's a terrible famine. The supermarket shelves were completely bare. Nothing was to be found to eat. So he was in need. To be blunt, he was destitute. So he finds a job feeding pigs. That's a sign of how far he has sunk. Pigs are unclean animals for the Jews. And so he is at rock bottom and excluded from the society because of the unclean pigs he was working with at least from a Jewish point of view. 
He longs to eat the carob pods that the pigs are eating. But as is often the way, no one cares about him at all. To give him even one of these pods. At this point, a person normally hopes that maybe their friends will step in. No doubt he has found some friends using his father's money, but none of them are around anymore that now he's poor. Everyone has their own life to live. How are they going to manage? How is he going to manage? Is he going to be able to survive? So look at verse 14. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a, to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat, to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now it's to these, into these depths he must come before he sees any sense. He's been driven by such foolishness up to this point. At last he comes to his sense and the lost is found. The second heading. He comes to his senses about the situation. His father's household is a place he sees now as not boring and tedious, but a place of hope. Maybe it's not such a terrible place after all, when all is said and done. He certainly can't go back as a son. He has forfeited that. He has taken his rights as a son and he's squandered them. But his father's hired servants, the servants in the household, the servants around the farm, even they have plenty. Perhaps he can get a job as a servant in the household. So he needs to come clean. He needs to go to his dad and repent of his appalling behaviour towards him if there is to be any hope. Repentance involves him in several behaviours and these are common in repentance. Firstly, he must prepare for his repentance. Secondly, he must go back to his father in person. He had chosen to reject his father, but now he must humble himself and go back and speak directly to him in his repentance. That's a big step, hard to do. Thirdly, he must stand before his father and admit the full seriousness of his wrongs. He has sinned against his father. He has sinned against God himself. And fourthly, he must own the full consequences of his sin. He has no right he needs to admit or place expecting to be called his father's son ever again. Those privileges were all cashed in and squandered. He must now ask for mercy. Would his job, dad give him a job just as a household servant? So having thought through what repentance means, he sets out to do what he plans. 
It's no good just having plans, they have to be put into action. And so that's what he does. He has to go to the person he has treated so badly. So in verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And there I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. And of course, most of us know the story. He went, what he meets is a complete astonishment to him. He is met not with a scowl or a lecture or the silent treatment. He's met with unbridled joy. His father sees him on the road and his heart is filled, not with anger, not with resentment at his son, but with deep compassion for his boy and the terrible place his foolishness has taken him. There is no everlasting silent treatment that sometimes people give one another. Rather, in an embarrassing act that cares nothing for the social niceties of the day, he actually picks up his robe and runs to his son. It's embarrassingly dear and beautiful. He is filled with joy. His son has come home. This is a wonderful day. He wraps his arms around his boy and kisses him. The son gets only a few words of his confession out to his dad. But his dad knows what this is all about and gives him the ring and the robes and the sandals that a son deserves. Though he doesn't actually deserve it, does he? But he's given it by his father. This calls for a feast to celebrate. Kill the fattened calf. The son was dead, but he's alive. Lost, but now found. Let's read it from verse 20. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. But it's not all happiness. This young man has an older brother, the oldest son. He's in the, he is in the field at work when all of this takes place. And uh, he is soon grumbling. The older boy hears the celebration and a servant explains to him what's going on. And this older boy who has stayed faithful 
and obeyed his father all the time, unlike his brother, does not share his father's compassion or joy. Instead, he is angry and resentful. He is absorbed with himself, so absorbed that he only sees his own righteousness. He cares nothing for the plight of his little brother, the lost sinner, or the joy of his father. He's angry for all his faithfulness to his father over all this time. His father has never so much as given him a celebration or shown the same joy. His extravagance has never been offered to him. His dad explains, son, this is an extraordinary day. The older son will have everything the father owns one day. The younger son has had his inheritance. One of the consequences is he has no inheritance left from the property. And so everything is the older son's. Every fattened calf, every goat, every, everything else will be his. But, says the father, a wonderful thing has happened. Can you not see, my son, your brother, who was little short of dead, is now alive. He was lost, but now he's found. Let's pick it up at verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go. Uh, go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are all, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So what does all this mean for us? Who do you identify with? The younger son who had been so wayward or the older son who had been such a faithful child for so long, but resented the celebration. 
Some of you know how you have been wayward, taking God's creation and his goodness and kindness to you and milking it for all it's worth and enjoying everything that you can while pushing God away from you as far as you can. Like the, the younger son, as far as God is concerned, you've made yourself a practical atheist. He's not there. I'll just keep him at a distance. I'll ignore him. Life is much more convenient as an atheist. If that's you, and you realise how empty the pleasures you have pursued in the world are, and how foolish you have been toward God who gave you everything, perhaps you're starving for something real in your life. Maybe that's why you're here. Then know that God, like his father, is watching. He knows. He is waiting eagerly for you to come to him. And he will shower you with compassion and joy, not a lecture and punishment. If you'll only come to your senses and repent and come back to him. And if you're aware today of what you were and how you have come back to God, then know how joyful God and the angels are over you. And how joyful all of us are if you have come back to him. So glad that you're here. If you want to talk about any of this, please speak to me or a Christian friend or, and talk it over. But some might be closer to the older brother. You remember that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were disgruntled at the way Jesus was receiving sinners and enjoying their company and eating with them and teaching them. Perhaps you've been around here for a long time. Maybe you've been here a short time. And you feel a bit disgruntled that so much attention and joy is invested in others in the congregation or others outside the congregation. Like the, the older brother, you have faithfully borne the heat of day. And you ask, why is not more attention being given to me and to my likes and my preferences here at church? What has happened to my style of service, my kind of music? Why is the focus and energy on the young or on that segment of people over there? Why is there not more joy over me? Or perhaps as a stalwart of the church, you feel unsettled about new people who have filled up your suburb 
and fear that you might, they might take away your church and make it their church. You think, I don't want them to take my church. It would be easy, wouldn't it, to grumble and to murmur. And so, in effect, do you see that the church becomes divided? As the older son remains outside stubbornly, we don't know whether he was persuaded by his father or not, but he's outside, reluctant to go into this celebration. And so in a church, some stand away, some stand at arm's length, feeling frustrated. If that's you, perhaps, then I want you to see the deep love and compassion of your heavenly Father for you. But also, do you see the great and almost reckless joy in the lost son being found? Do you see that? Compassion, yet joy in the lost being found. Your heavenly Father knows your work. He knows your faithfulness. He, you have his inheritance. You are loved by him. All he promises to his faithful ones is yours. He has not forgotten you. But something extraordinary is happening. The truth is in Australia, Anglo-Australians have largely voted with their feet when it comes to church. There are now new generations before us, new cultures. God himself has brought them to our very neighbourhoods, to our very doorstep. They are our neighbours whom we are to love according to God's command. God has given us new fields to labour in that we might take the gospel of the lost to the lost among them, that perhaps some of them might be found, and they are being found. And he has kept you here so that you might help with that work. As new people come to Christ, whoever they are, surely if God himself rejoices, then we should rejoice and join in the celebration, mustn't we? Shall we not go to them? Shall we not join the Father's joy as they come to him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful story. Father, we are such wayward people. We can easily identify with the younger son and his foolishness. We thank you that he came back completely empty-handed and you showered him with mercy or the father in the story does. And that's an emblem of what you do.
But Father, it's easy also to be like the older son and to feel resentful at the celebration of this, this younger wayward man. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us not to be grumbling or murmuring, but to see your heart, to realise that, that you do love us and to see your joy in the celebration that is going on as the gospel goes out and people are saved. Please be our help, we pray. We ask, Father, that in our, the way we live together as a church, we might display your glory in our unity of joy. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.